0: You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network.
1: Welcome to Disability After Dark, the podcast feed shining a bright light on all things disability. With your host, Andrew Gerza.
2: Hello everybody, welcome to the second episode of the HandyCast, the podcast within the Disability After Dark podcast feed where I sit down with my co-founder of Handy, Heather Morrison, and we tell you a little bit about our sex toy project that we're creating, the first line of sex tech for and by people with disabilities and people with hand limitations. So this is episode two, and I'm really excited to have you here for this. So get really comfy and really cozy and get ready for episode two of the Handicast. In this second episode of the Handycast, we get today to talk about an accelerator program that we're in. And just so you understand what an accelerator program is, in the business world, an accelerator program is something where startups sit down with and and get the chance to be mentored by People who work in the space, investors, uh, researchers, people who work in, who basically work to get businesses up and running and on their feet so they can bring their idea to market and they can bring their idea and make it something tangible that we can actually then sell to you and talk about. So Handy got picked by an accelerator in Australia called Remarkable that caters specifically to disability in tech. And we thought this was so, so awesome. So we applied and we were like, oh, we're probably not going to get it. And then they picked us and we were like, wow, that's amazing. They thought our idea was really, really sound. They were really, really excited that somebody wanted to bring sex tech into um, the disability space. And the end, it went off like gangbusters. And we had such a, we, we've been in a 16 week, Accelerator program. We're about halfway through, and for the episode today, we sit down with the co founder of the Remarkable program in Sydney, Australia, Pete Horsley. In the episode with Pete, he sits down with us and tells us why he thinks disability startups in tech are really important and why he's so passionate about Remarkable. Um, and he also talks a little bit about some of his personal experiences as to disability and why that's important to him he t- shares some stories about that with us. Uh, there was a lot going on in this episode We t- also asked him to tell us his first impressions of handy when we brought it forward to him and what that what that felt like for him to have us wanting to come into the program. He shares that with us. We just have a really good talk and get in to really get into the discussions of how to bring handy to market and why, you know, it's such an important product, and how the Remarkable program has helped us to to really move the idea of a sex toy for and by disabled people forward. So that's what the episode is today. We really hope you enjoy it. This is episode two of the Handycast within the Disability After Dark podcast feed. Enjoy. Okay, we're recording. Hello, everybody. This is... Andrew Gerza from Disability After Dark. And like we told you a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to be doing stuff inside the Disability After Dark feed and cool new things. And one of the cool new things I'm doing is the Handycast. This is episode two, where we talked to you about my sister and I, Heather, talked to you about our new sex toy product, project called Handy. And we wanted to today, in episode two, we're calling it Being Remarkable, or at least trying to. We wanted to introduce you to someone we're working with in the Accelerator program, and so I want to introduce you today to our friend, Pete Horsley. Hi, Pete. How you doing?
1: Hi, Andrew. I'm really well. How are you?
2: Good. Thank you for being here today.
1: That's good. Thank you for having me.
2: Um, so, first off, can you introduce for us, first of all, yourself, and then the Remarkable program?
1: Absolutely. So my name is Pete Horsley I'm the founder of Remarkable and we're trying to harness technology and innovation for inclusion. I guess what we're trying to do is to catalyse an ecosystem of, of um, entrepreneurs who want to remove barriers to inclusion through tech. Um, so we started in 2016 and uh, since then we've invested in 32 startups. And uh, and they've gone on to create 450 new jobs and serve tens of thousands of customers.
2: Wow, that's really cool. Can you um, kind of explain a little bit more about kind of how Remarkable started and what your thought process was around all that?
1: Yeah, so for us, we really saw the power that technology had to remove those barriers to inclusion. And uh, back in 2014, we, um, we thought we were the coolest kids on the block by running something called a hackathon. Um, it was called Enabled by Designathon. So we got a whole bunch of people with disability in the room with makers and creators, engineers, hackers, and, uh, and we set about trying to discover um, problems that technology could overcome. And, uh, and then people created early stage prototypes of those. Um, and it all happened over a very condensed period of time, only over two days. So there wasn't a lot of sleep. There was a lot of kind of activity happening over those two days. Um, and when we saw the results of that, I got really, really excited by all of these ideas that had kind of come out. Uh, and I really thought that they were all going to change the world. But uh, like with lots of hackathons, the idea part of it is really, really easy, really uh, And uh, um, within about two weeks, all those people had gone back to their day jobs and nothing happened with the ideas. And so it was at that point that uh, we realised that, yeah, ideas are easy, but execution, and until we get technology in the hands of people with disability, we're not really making a a lick of difference. And so uh, we're approached by our um, Australia's largest telco, telecommunications company, Telstra. And uh, Telstra said that they were excited by the work that we we're doing, but they um, uh, wanted to see where else we could take it. And, uh, and that was how we kind of came up with the idea of Accelerator. Uh, we wanted to, to support those early stage companies to develop their technology and essentially commercialize them and get them out into the market. Um, it was then that we thought that we could have a real impact.
2: That's great. And so, think- sorry.
0: I was just going to say, I think like one of the things that we've noticed really early on, even in, in the, you know, the first initial kickoff sessions where you kind of meeting everybody else who's been shortlisted is just the amazing amount of sort of the caliber of the different teams and the passion that sits around it and the diversity of not only the, um, people who are participating, but also the ideas that are that are on the table as well. So, you know, everything from helping people with disabilities be able to experience the outdoors in a way that's less, more free and has less limitations to people who are creating um, you know mechanisms to make sure that when you're giving a newborn baby air, you're giving it the right amount, so that you know you don't accidentally over over aerate or under aerate, and therefore cause a disability. So it's just the wide variety of people, um, people with disabilities who are included, people with, with who are able-bodied but who are really passionate about this space, um, and even a lot of the co-founder teams having people with disabilities and the diversity within those teams as well has just been so um, inspiring and amazing to see just the yeah, ingenuity, I suppose, that's around this area, um, and the sort of creativity and the, and the passion um, to make a real difference, which has just been, yeah, I mean, it helps motivate us as well.
2: Definitely.
1: I, th- I honestly think I've got one of the best jobs in the world, because I do get to work with passionate people like yourselves, um, who are really wanting to create change. So uh, for me, it's an absolute privilege to be working with this incredible community of people, um, wanting to make change.
0: Yeah And I'll just say um, on the, in the podcast notes, um, we will definitely link all of the other um, we'll link for Bar- remarkable tech, but we'll also link all of the other um, participants in this cohort so that people can have a look awesome. at and uh, maybe cohorts gone past so people can have a look at kind of the um, amazing products and companies and, and startups that are still out there um, trying to make a difference.
2: Yeah, we cool. might also I was thinking we might also reach out to some of the other. Some of the other teams and be like, hey, you want to come on and tell us what your thing is? Cause yeah, I think, that'd be awesome. I think it's really, I remember when we, when I was in our first or second week when we had to sit and listen to the other teams, I remember saying to Heather right after, I was like, wow, this is, a, I'm really glad we did this because you get to see how much, how much passion there is in the disability space that if you don't look for it, you don't usually get to understand how, how, vibrant and how like exciting these things are. And so after that first couple of hours, I was like, okay, this is a really good thing. We have to like this is great. This is a really good opportunity for us. We Andrew just a
0: quick question your... for you. Yeah. <laughs> um do you um as, as a, somebody with, living with a disability, do you see a lot of ingenuity and innovation in your space? Is it something that you see like quite a bit of? Or even somebody living with um, a disability, are you some, are, does it still seem like you have to sort of seek it out? Um, and then it's not quite as sort of overt as maybe um, you'd like it to be?
2: I think you do have to seek it out, and a lot of the times it's not run by an, another disabled person, it's run by an organization who want to help a disabled person which is great but it's not often with that lived experience so a lot of the ingenuity is how do we fix your disability and it's it's not so much about how do we how do we give you a quality of life as a disabled person it's more about like how do we Mm. make you seem more palatable to an able-bodied population so I think there's Mm. ingenuity there I just think the I think the mindset has to shift a little bit and so what I love about Remarkable is that it's, it's a mix of both non-disabled and able-bodied people working together to create something different. Mm. Yeah.
1: Awesome. We'll put that on the brochure. That's good. Cool. <laughs> I will give <laughs> it Big to you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> right,
2: Marcy for goes. that is. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I'd love to know also, Pete, what was your reaction when we first pitched you the idea for our project? Which is, you know what,
1: when uh, when Heather first pitched the idea of, of Handy to me, I was like, finally, finally, we've got yeah. this, uh, <laughs> we've got something that's really, really exciting there. And I, I, I honestly believe that, um, and I still do, that this idea will get lots of attention, um, but it's really, really important to get it right as well. Um, we need to do this in the right way. Uh, I also thought that... Um, uh, something like Handy would actually be an incredible advocacy tool as well and a really, really great discussion starter. So something that, that helps to kind of bring up the topic of sexuality and disability and, um, and help it not be so taboo. And, uh, and so I was, uh, yeah, I was really, really excited. To be honest, like um, in the selection process, um, you couldn't have had bigger advocates in the room than, than there was for, for Handy. We were, we were so, <laughs> so excited to see um, a product like this uh, come into the market.
2: Wow. Yay. I didn't, that's great. <laughs> that's so awesome. Um, just as, a, this is not a question we wrote down, but a question that I have when you were talking. What is your lived experience of disability, either as an advocate or a friend of someone with a disability, or are you someone who lives with a disability?
1: Yeah, so I grew up, uh, my sister has uh, quite a profound disability. So uh, she's my oldest sister uh, and she uh, was born blind and also has autism and also an intellectual disability as well. Um, And so I I grew up around her and I guess lots of people would see her as um, being a, uh, you know, someone that... um, uh, requires lots of resource to kind of care for and all of those sorts of things. But for me, I actually saw my sister as someone with incredible gifts and incredible abilities. Um, uh, she has perfect pitch, so she I could ding a glass and she can tell me what note that is. Um, I can say what um, she can tell me what day of, of the week I was born on or what day of the week I, I'm going to be when I turn 50. Um, she has these incredible abilities as well. So, and I've I said to Mum uh, in my kind of late twenties, I said, you know, I wonder if there's ways that we can recognise as a society recognise the gifts and strengths that my sister has. Um, so I guess I grew up around the disability community, um, grew up kind of seeing um, all of the, the shortfalls in in disability service providers. Um, Uh, But I kind of happened, I kind of fell into the disability sector through a friend of mine who um, is working at Cerebral Palsy Alliance and so 15 years ago she approached me and said that uh, she was looking for someone to come in and just give a hand one day a week to help get a youth mentoring program going. Um, I'd done a bunch of youth work in the past. Um, Not specifically with with, um, people with disability, but um, I said, look, I don't know if I can help, but I'll come in. And so we came. I came in and co-designed a mentoring program with a whole bunch of teenagers. And uh, and I I couldn't leave after that. It was um, it was something that hooked me. That I I said there is so much value in these people that I'm I'm talking to um, that I want the world to know about. And uh, that's kind of been my journey since.
2: Wow, I I love getting the stories behind. How people get involved with disability and how they understand disability because I think that's how we dismantle ableism and that's how we we start talking about all the prejudices that disabled people face is by figuring out where other people are at and how do they how do disability touch their life because we know that disability will all touch our lives at some point but it's really important to bring it into conversation so thank you so much for sharing that part of yourself. Um, yeah, man, that's okay.
1: And, and I guess um, I'll just say as well that I'm still learning. Uh, you know, even though I grew up with someone with a disability, even though I've been in this sector for over 15 years, I'm, I'm still learning. And uh, it's great to be able to, um, to hang out with people like yourself, Andrew, to be able to do that.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah, and- I'm still,
0: I mean, even growing up with Andrew as well, I'm still like he'll call me up on out on something where I'm like, well, you know, you kind of agreed to this timeline. Like, I don't really understand. You've like missed it by a few days. <laughs> um, and, you know, he'll be like, well, does it take you three hours to get out of bed?
2: <laughs> then,
0: do you, he's like, well, I've had think, You just kind of, even though you grow up with it and like mm. you grew up quite, quite close. Um, and you kind of see as you're growing up, sometimes you just kind of forget, um, or, you know, things advance in different directions and you just sort of, you take things for granted and you don't always have that sort of, reminder of like because I can do things in this amount of time doesn't mean that other people can and whether you have a disability or not it just reminds you to be a little bit more I guess um, like gracious and sort of um, empathetic to different people and everybody is going through something you don't necessarily know about Um, but yeah I totally agree even even sort of growing up with Andrew and and being quite close Um, and even working with him quite closely on this project there are things that like I'll sort of um, we will agree that he'll he'll sort of take on or he'll do or he'll want to lead and then um, I'll forget that actually in addition to all those things he's his lived experience actually is something that's so different than mine that it, it takes a bit more time or other things need to be considered and you just it's just one of those things it's good to have constant reminder um, and just yeah I, I forget all the time and have to be reminded I'm still learning um, still learning a lot
2: I mean, I'm I'm also, I'm to, just to piggyback on that, Heather, I'm also still learning. I'm also still, like, me too. I'm a disabled person that works and, and lives in the disability space, and I'm constantly being called in by members of my community, being like, hey, the, try to use this language, try to say it this way. What about, think about this. And I think that's so important, especially, you know, running, running a program like Remarkable, you see how nuanced the disability community actually is and how one person's solution will not be the other person's solution. And so that's what I love about mm-hmm. the products that are being put out in our cohort is that they're so vastly different for each yeah. part of our community. And there's just so much potential for for different projects to come from that. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, and just and just what you were saying there about like everything being so nuanced and even how you're still learning like, we take all of that information in as we're building the brand as well. And so it's kind of like, what well, what's our tone of voice? What kind of language can we use? And um, you know, what, what visuals are going to be okay. And it's kind of, you know, trying to make sure that you're being sensitive, but then still being honest and pushing the boundaries um, and being provocative, but also um, using language that's going to be very inclusive and inviting for disabled people, but also able-bodied people. Um, and so it's a real balance to strike and like, thank God we've got Andrew on the team, because quite often I'll draft something up and um, he's kind of my like chief disability officer. I right? send over to him and be like, right, <laughs> is this, is this, does this um, like enrage you in any way? <laughs> You've a few people how we should best sort of vocalize this. And you just have to be a little bit more like conscious um, and you're never gonna please everyone. Sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll put something out and eight people will be fine with it. And two people will be really pissed off. Um, you know, you just kind of have to kind of take a bit of a leap of faith sometimes and know that you can't please everyone, but at least you're doing your best to learn and adjust. And if we do make a, a wrong step, then happy to be pulled up on it as well and learn from that and keep moving forward. As long as I think our, our heads and our hearts are in the right place. Um, and our ambitions ambition. Exactly. Right
1: yeah. It's about respect. And it's about understanding our shared humanity, right? Like we all want to be understood for who we are. We all want to be, Listened to and uh, and to feel like that we have our place, we have a purpose, and we have um, uh, the the I guess ability to to participate. And I think everyone wants that, uh, no matter what background you've come from. And so it's about understanding that and understanding our own frailties, our own our own abilities, our own disabilities across a really really broad spectrum.
2: Completely. I completely agree with that and I want to I want to jump into a a more a less sexy question and a more like disability space question where do you Pete where do you see the disability space heading in the next few years based on all the startups you work with and all the tech that you're seeing if you could give us like a five-year like where where you think it's going to be and where you want it to be where do you think it'll be?
1: I honestly think that we're living in one of the most exciting times for for disability. I I honestly believe that change is happening and I feel like uh, the next 10 years are going to be some of the most exciting around disability rights, around inclusion. Uh, I think that we have a really, really incredible foundation um, that's been laid by so many people who have had to fight really, really tough battles uh, and we're standing on their shoulders, you know. uh, um, and adding technology into the mix, I think, has really allowed us to take a, a giant leap forward. Um, while we're still at the very, very early stages of seeing that technology being uh, being put into good use uh, in the disability space, I think that um, in the next kind of five to ten years, we will we'll see uh, incredible technologies that, that push down barriers and that allow people to participate. Um, Uh, in ways that we haven't seen before. I I do think that we've got um, some really, really big issues still to tackle as well, right? Um, uh, Unemployment around the world is still woefully low for people with disability. Uh, Unemployment and underemployment. Uh, Access to health. Uh, We we were even just talking about this this podcast just now about that and uh, pay inequality. access to services, uh, and then thinking about as well, there's so much work to be done in lower and middle income countries as well around disability. So, there's, there's um, while I'm incredibly um, positive about the future and I'm incredibly hopeful about the future, I'm not under any false impression that there's still lots of work to be done. Um, and, and technology will be a really, really significant part of that. I do believe that. Um, uh, When we started, we were thinking about the exciting things that could be done in AI and robotics and sensor technology, being able to use that for the good of people with disability. Um, Us too.
0: (laughs) uh,
1: And we're only just, yeah, we're only just scratching the surface of that.
0: Mm. And so do you think it's, um, what, like, in terms of the change that we're seeing in the next, currently, and then what's going to come in the next 10 years, do you think that's being driven by technology or is there another sort of force behind it that's starting to help push things, um, faster and further?
1: I'm always interested to see kind of ways that, um, adjacencies are influencing other parts of culture. So I, I do think, um, you know, the women's rights movement, um, the Me Too movement, uh, I think, um, the LGBTIQ movement has, um, all of that has definitely had an influence. Uh, and those things, I think, uh, uh, help to lay some of the groundwork and some of the uh, the opportunity, I think, for disability inclusion as well. And so, the um, while there was so much work done uh, through the disability rights movement, um, kind of back decades ago. I think that um, you know that is the strongest foundation that we've set. But then there's been these other influences that have kind of come alongside that also are providing the right environment, the right conditions for for change to happen. Um, and and I even think that you know even in thinking about what we've experienced through this global pandemic in the last couple of months, mm. I think that that's even created these newer conditions and and allowed people to even think about, um, you know, some of the, the things that people with disability have fought for for years and years in terms of the ability to work from home or those sorts of things. All of a sudden, overnight, we've been able to kind of do that. And so I do think that the world won't be the same on the other side of this pandemic as what we've, or what it is on the way in. Uh, and that we'll have potentially some greater openness around, around those sorts of things. Um,
2: so yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, so, because we, we, because we we're starting a, a sex toy company, in your experience in, with Cerebral Palsy Alliance, and kind of from your perspective, how, how widespread or acknowledged do you think the issue of sexuality and disability was in your experience? Like, Did you hear people talking about it and wanting it to be a thing?
1: I do think that the idea of sexuality broadly, sexuality and disability broadly within certain circles, isn't new, and I think that you know we as an organisation um, definitely had to kind of come to terms with some of those um, and respond to many of those issues um, because we're being asked to by our customers and our clients, uh, and that that happened for us um, probably a couple of decades ago. Um, and then we've seen, you know, through great organisations like Touching Base in Australia, there there was some really really great work done around that. Um, and now we've got really good policies and procedures in place around some of those things. But I do think that in so many ways, um, we're we only just at the beginning again. We're just scratching the surface. We're just um, we're we're just uh, seeing what what does a, a full understanding of autonomy and independence in the space of sexuality actually look like? Um, what does, um, uh, what does the, the full outworking of, um, of complete inclusion in this space look like? And that's why I'm so excited about, and we're so excited about what Handy's doing because you are, um, bringing that to the forefront and you are, you are really trying to, to make, massive inroads in that and, and, and creating a new world around that. So we're excited to see what happens.
2: So we for sure, we're definitely excited and we're, we're so happy to be on board. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you if somebody was to come to Remarkable or to you and they want to start something, they want to start a project and they don't know how to start, they don't know what to do, they need advice, what advice or guidance would you give to somebody who is disabled and wants to start something in, in the creative space but doesn't know how to do that?
1: Um, I guess the first thing I'd say is do it. Um, yeah, give it a go. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, the two things that we look for when we're looking for um, great founders is we look for someone who understands the problem and we also look for someone who has drive and determination. And, and so for many who are thinking about tackling problems in this disability space, um, you have a great understanding of the problem and you have this innate ability to have to problem solve all of the time in your life because of so many of the barriers that still exist in society. And so right. um, my big encouragement would be, yeah, um, do it. Um, I think the other things I'd probably say is, uh, Surround yourself with some people who have been on that journey before, uh, so that you can learn from their experience, leapfrog some of the problems that they've had to um, overcome and they've had to work through, um, and and learn from them in ways that you that you possibly can. Uh, I think also while you've got a really great understanding of the um, the problem that you're solving, you are only one person as well, so. Um, test your assumptions, ask other people who are in similar situations or experience similar similar problems that you're trying to solve, uh, and and really build out your understanding um, of that problem space. Um, Great products and great um, um, services are based on building out solutions to to big problems, um, and that's what people pay for to help you overcome those problems. but then I think also I, the last thing I'd probably say on that one is, um, you know, believe in yourself as well. Uh, there's a, a great Steve Jobs quote that says um, something like, everything around you that you call life was made by someone no smarter than you. Mm. Um, and so, you know, um, yeah, believe that you can actually create um, this new thing that creates a new world, Uh Um, I think that that's innately something that's human about us is to kind of create something and to, um, to, to build things. Um, I think that there's something deeply human about that. So, um, so go ahead and do it. Yeah.
0: And I think also like what's helped us a lot is just talking to anybody who will listen. Um, They will have that conversation (laughs) with you because you'll learn so much from them and like the amount of, we wouldn't be where we are if we hadn't just kind of talked to anybody, met with anybody, sent a cold email across, tried to get, you know, somebody, stalk somebody on LinkedIn, (laughs) whoever you think might be interested in what you're doing. And like the more like you just keep talking about it. Um, The more you'll learn and then you'll be surprised at where it lands you as well in terms of the people who um, you'll find your kind of your hive of people who are also really interested and passionate about that space or about what you're doing. Um, And also, you'll be surprised at how many people will help you um, along the way, because ultimately, like I was saying this the other day, it takes an absolute village to get a startup off the ground and you think know it's a lot of work but it's definitely rewarding and it's worth it but the more people who you can kind of pull along on that journey with you um, you'll be shocked at the amount of people who will just give their time or their thoughts or their share their passion with you enough to help you even just give you that sort of little bit of an extra push or enthusiasm Um, because I think some days you just don't want to do it anymore.
1: And, and, and that's the, the, you know, there is a risk that's associated with doing something and putting yourself out there like that. And I mm. think um, we have to get comfortable with risk. Um, Alan, yeah. one of our colleagues um, who works with us at Remarkable, he's written a great blog post about uh, getting used to taking calculated risks. And, uh, and I think, you know, one of the biggest risks we can actually take is to put ourselves out there and say, I've got this idea. I don't know if it's going to work, mm. but... Um, I'm, I'm going to attempt to do that. And, uh, and I think that that's when we see exciting things happen is when, uh, when we do take
0: those calculated
1: risks. Definitely. Yeah,
0: Yeah, you have to be really vulnerable. Um, It's like really scary. (laughs) Because you've made this, it's not like a client that you're working on or somebody else. It's your thing. And so when you put it out into the world, it's like, it's really, it's terrifying. (laughs)
2: And, you know, from a, from a disability perspective, the idea of failing is really hard to to grapple with because when you're disabled, people don't expect you to do things, to, to go yeah. far. So if you create something and you fail, there is, a, for me, when I failed at stuff and stuff didn't go, there was a big sense of like, well, of course, I, of course I would fail. I'm a disabled guy. Of course, this thing that I wanted to have wouldn't go this project that i worked on didn't move and it could be for totally non-related reasons but my because of the pressures we have to succeed and this idea that we as disabled people have to have to be superheroes all the time because of that 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 pressure if we fail it's the the feeling is that much greater
1: absolutely and i think you know it's one of the big uh um, beefs i have with seeing how how some people are actually parented when they have a child with a disability is uh, seeing those parents that actually allow their kids to go out and to try and to fail um, and those that kind of um, you know mollycoddle and look after and protect and um, the as I've seen over the last kind of um, you know decade and a half in the disability sector the the outcomes of the, the pathways of those two things are dramatically different. And, and I think that, you know, risking and failing is, again, something that's inherently human. And so we need to um, allow ourselves the permission to be able to go, you know what, I will do something incredibly, you know, so much better because I've actually learned through this situation. And to be okay and to, to remove that sense of, you uh, Uh, this is attached to my, my personal sense of, of worth as well. Um, it is something that we've tried and we've failed and that's okay. Uh, we will learn through that and we can, we can go beyond that next time. Um, but to not have that attached to our sense of self-worth and to go, well, I am a failure because this thing has failed.
2: Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, completely. Um,
0: Hey Andrew, which one, which one would you say our mom is?
2: <laughs> Hi, Mom. Um, she. I would say that. Mom, Cuddle, would we describe her as that? No, no, I mean. No,
1: uh, <laughs> I didn't want to get Mom into trouble here. Um, <laughs> I think she's obviously done a great job raising the two of you to be doing the work that you're
2: doing. say so. I would say that it's. I would say that it's been a learning process for her. She. She really wants to help. She loves all the things we're doing. She loves our stuff. And we had to, we've had to say to her a couple of times, like, mom, thank you for being, wanting to do this, but we got to try. Let us try. Yeah. And if we stumble, yeah. then we'll take the brunt of it. It's all right. But the good thing about our yeah. mom is that she, <laughs> she's, she's really supportive of all our creative stuff. So when we, when we brought this idea to her, she was like, yeah, it's great. She's really into the idea. So I, would, I say That's that her... Understanding of what we want to do is, it has evolved, and how we want to. Yeah, function. but
0: also she's she's absolutely the type of mom who's like go go out there, go fail. All
2: yeah, days. like and even was... for Andrew
0: when he was a kid, like you know there was no. And even thinking back in like the way that we all grew up together, like obviously we all re- realized that Andrew was in a wheelchair and had a disability. But at the same time, do we still get in snowball fights with him and they them <laughs> straight at him? Yeah, <laughs> he's one of us. <laughs> You're going down. <laughs> Awesome. Figure out how to defend yourself. <laughs> that was only actually a couple of years ago as well, so it's even worse. <laughs> there's a there's a picture
2: that we can put on the in the show notes of Heather throwing a snowball at me, and me having no Bandit, defense, like square
0: in the middle of his chest. This is
2: the best. <laughs> I'll put it on the Check disability. Was, yeah, exactly like that. Exactly.
0: <laughs> That's
2: awesome. um, So, Pete, what advice would you give? to because there are a lot of mixed teams on in the cohort there are a lot of lot of Mm. like non-disabled and disabled team members working together and i'm curious what advice would you give to somebody who isn't disabled who maybe wants to come in the disability space for the first time and maybe doesn't know the nuances of the language and how to how to you know get into the disability space but has a passion and wants to help and wants to make a difference but doesn't quite know how to do that what advice would you give to Mm -hmm. them
1: yeah, um, I think, uh, firstly, great. That's fantastic. Um, don't make assumptions that someone needs your help. Always ask, um, first of all. Uh, you know, you can't assume that someone actually needs your help. Um, um, but um, at at the same time, I'd, I'd say that, um, you know, not... Being afraid of not knowing the language and not knowing the nuance, um, I think, comes down to approaching um, this sector and this space and the people in it um, with humanity and respect. Um, you know, um, being able to say, and I can still say this, you know, I make mistakes um, um, all the time in this space, and uh, but I. I have an ability to hopefully learn uh, and to hopefully understand. Uh, I think so. With someone offering their help, I think first seek to understand before you proceed. Um, first seek to understand um, uh, the people. First seek to understand um, the nature of the help that um, that you might be able to offer. Um, and, and at the same time, look to learn while you're while you're there. I think that I learn far more than I give most of the time actually so um, and then, yeah, I think uh, we we need, having said all of that, I think we need more people thinking about this space, we need more people um, strategizing, we need more people. Um, understanding that there is so much work to be done in this, in this space as well, um, but to do it in a way that is led by people with disability and do it in a way that is um, not about making assumptions and doing uh, things for, but it's about working alongside. It's, it's, um, it's kind of having that sense of solidarity and saying we're in this with, with everyone um, because of the, the things that we need to have for shared humanity. Um, We talk a lot about the difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, Sympathy is very alienating. It's about I feel sorry for you and this this kind of barrier between you and the other person. Um, And I think that there still sadly is a lot of sympathy uh, in this this sector. And I think that that's wrong and it's bad. and whereas empathy is about understanding, empathy is about uh, um, you know walking alongside and, and understanding someone else. And uh, and I think that um, yeah, we need to to think about help in those sorts of terms. Um, we can't make assumptions. Does that and and make I, sense?
2: Yeah, and I totally agree with you there. I think I think also I think it's wise for the disability community sometimes in that space. When, at me as a disabled creator, when I started working with Heather on this, I was so protective of, I'm the disabled person, you have no idea what you're talking about, therefore let me, let me run this. And what I've learned is from working with her is that I have to, first of all, Andrew has to learn how to share because <laughs> sharing is important. <laughs> but also I've learned that there are things about media and there are things about... Um, branding and all the stuff that I didn't know that, that I can glean from her experience while also teaching her. So I really learned to kind of let go of, of this overprotectiveness of this is my lived experience and you can be a part of it. And so my work really has tend, tended to shift now into how do I bring everyone, whether they're disabled or not, into my experience of disability. And I mm. think that's really, a, that. that's really a great, way of kind of inviting someone into the experience as opposed to expecting them to know.
1: I, I think that's fantastic. And and again, it, for me, it, it does come down to that, you know, we're all humans. And uh, so how do we get, um, how do we bring the best of ourselves to, um, to a situation and how do we include the best of other people in, in every other um every other piece of work that we're trying to do. I think it's when we come together and and that togetherness is about mutual respect and mutual understanding and mutual growth and learning that um, that we will see some real um, uh, advances in, in the areas that we know that we still need to change. We'll see advances in levels of inclusion. We'll see advances in incredible technology. Uh, and I believe that we actually are, are better for it when we allow everyone to fully participate. Um, and that's certainly my dream for, for Remarkable. That's certainly my dream for Handy um, is that it will allow more people to fully participate in life.
2: Thanks, totally. And I completely, I couldn't agree with you more. This was a great interview, Pete, and thank you for taking the time today. Um, Just thank you. How can people get a hold of you? How can they follow Remarkable? What can we put in the show notes for them to hear more about you?
1: Yeah, so please follow uh, the work of of all of our incredible startups. And you can do that uh, on Facebook at Remarkable Tech. uh, Also on LinkedIn at Remarkable Tech and on Twitter at Remarkable Tech. And uh, you can also have a look at our website and all of the startups that have come through uh, the last five cohorts, uh, at remarkable.org.au.
2: Amazing. Pete Horsley, thank you so much for coming on the, uh, the, the Handicast today, the podcast within Disability After Dark, where Heather and I talk about our sex toy project. So this was episode two of Handycast, and what you want to do is if you want to find out more about Handy and the work we're doing, you can go to our new website, which is that's handy.co and sign up for updates or follow us on our socials at that's handy all right well this is episode two and i was here with remarkable co-founder pete horsley thanks pete thanks andrew thanks heather two seconds i'm gonna hit off
1: You have such a great voice for radio, you
0: do,
2: Andrew. And there you have it. That was episode two of the Handycast, where Heather and I sit down with you and share with you our journey, trying to bring sex tech for and by disabled people to light. So that was a great, great interview with with the founder of the Remarkable Program, Pete Horsley, which was great and it was really awesome to sit and, to sit and talk with somebody about disability in tech and how to make the, and how to make that go, and why that is such an important topic. And I love that Remarkable is doing things like that where it's saying to people, we understand the need to bring these, these products to the disabled community. We want to help do that. So I think Remarkable is, is just an amazing program. and I will make sure to have their, um, their web address in the show notes so you can get a hold of them and talk to them, too, because they're amazing. They're fantastic. Um, If you want to follow our work with Handy, you can head over to www.thatshandy.co. That's www.thatshandy.co. And you can also follow us on all of our socials at That's Handy episodes of the Handycast will be released every other Monday on the Disability After Dark feed, and then we'll also go up on our website at www.thatshandy.co. That's T-H-A-T-S-H-A-N-D-I dot co. You can also follow our work at That's Handy on all social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at That's Handy. So follow us there, and you get to see some of our cool branding and you'll get updates as things move along um, we would love to have you and and it would be great if you would follow us there we also would love to have you on our show and we want you to we want to invite you to come on the show and talk about your experiences with Heather and I um, on the handycast about your experiences with masturbation self-pleasure using toys that maybe didn't work for you and why they didn't work we really want to we really want to hear from you about your experiences with all this stuff so that we can build better products and a better brand for you around sex tech and disability. So come on the show. You can email me at andrew at thatshandy.co or heather at handy.co or you can email the Disability After Dark feed at disabilityafterdark at gmail.com and just say, hey, I want to be on the Handycast, and we'd love to find a way to have you. Thanks for listening to our second episode of the Handycast. It will be out again every other Monday, and we cannot wait to bring you episode three. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.